okay with that last fight. I gave everything that I had. It's it's time for me to pass the torch to the next generation. So first of all, let me introduce you to the fans and the people who are tuning in here. Roxanne Montefiore, who goes by the Happy Warrior. Excellent nickname, by the way. You always have a smile on your face. You recently retired. 19-year career. Total of 45 MMA fights. Now, on Tapology, if you count the exhibition bouts and the grappling bouts, it's about 53 total fights. You've had a lot of experience. You're retiring now on the split decision loss to Casey O'Neill, which was a great fight. Recent wins over Macy Barber and Andrea Lee in 2020, quality opponents, and of course, Antonina Shevchenko in 2019. Again, you've got a very happy demeanor. Where does that come from? Um, my happy demeanor, I guess, just comes from my upbringing. You know, my mom always tried to teach me to look at the positive side of things. If anything went wrong, she would always say, well, at least this, you know, and like brought it to the forefront. And I was like, okay. So that kind of helped me like try to always find the positives of the situation. Now you were born in Delaware, did some training as a teenager in Pennsylvania. And I'm based out of PA. I'm in Newtown, Pennsylvania specifically. Okay. And the major way to Massachusetts. Talk about that path. What, what took you to PA? Then what took your family to Massachusetts? Um, I only lived in Delaware for four years. You know, I basically grew up in Pennsylvania. I consider Kenneth Square my hometown. Kenneth Square, and yes. Are you familiar? I am familiar, yes. I have, well, I've been in PA almost my entire life. Grew up in Brooklyn, New York a little bit, but. Mushroom I, capital of the world. <laughs> yes, 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 very much so. I'm sorry, go ahead, I interrupted you. Oh, it's okay. Um, yeah, my, my parents got divorced, so my dad moved to Boston, and my mom okay. wanted to be closer, but we looked up some good school systems and found Lenox, Massachusetts, and the Berkshire County was really good. So we moved there, and I'm so glad because kids were, like, really mean to me in middle school. <laughs> no. So nice in high school, so I freaking loved that high school, and everything was great. Like, there was a great judo club in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and I joined that. Um, and it's cool because I, I thought – so I started with striking martial arts. And then one day I woke up and I thought like, I don't want to hit anybody anymore. It's too violent. I need to be nonviolent. <laughs> so I judo and then my judo buddies kind of like strong armed me into doing MMA again, but I never really enjoyed hitting people despite my a crazy record. And I always wondered like someday, am I going to wake up and like not want to hit anybody again? And it kind of started happening a little bit like at the end of my fighting career. So now I'm like excited to just do jujitsu again. But um, it was really cool. I helped my friend Jessalyn, uh, I, I cornered her for her PFL fight. And I put the Come gloves on. back for the first time in a few months since I retired. And it felt good. Like it felt, it was fun. So I, I thank her for that. Well, it's amazing. You're almost too nice to be a fighter. I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> like you look like somebody who would be uh, like a very good bedside manner, like a, a, maybe a nurse or a doctor, you know, someone who would comfort someone, not punch them in the face. Yeah, it's motivation, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to fight to smash somebody, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's going to say, I'm going to go out there and kill her, <laughs> no, I'm going to say, like, I want to go out there and try my techniques on her, that's my attitude. You mentioned being bullied in middle school, uh, how did that affect you growing up? You could share whatever you feel comfortable with, and did that end up maybe motivating you to get more into martial arts? I think being bullied made me more kind to other people, you know, um, I didn't get like physically beat up or anything. Um, but people call me names, people like call me weird, you know, um, and it sucked. I was a very sensitive kid. So, you know, uh, my mom, when I came home and I told my mom crying that, you know, the kids were mean to me, she said, she said always, you're not weird, you're unique and your uniqueness is the best part of you. So you should celebrate that. And that's actually what kind of 
helped me like own it, you know, and that's why I like to do the cosplays and I really like to celebrate my uniqueness and go out there and just show the world like, hey, it's okay, I'm, I'm unique and that's great. You majored in Japanese language and literature with a minor in linguistics. You did a year or so overbroad as a junior in college. Do you still speak Japanese and talk about that experience? It was an amazing experience to learn it. Um, I wanted to be bilingual. That was one of my goals. I thought it was so cool as a kid. And um, now I'm struggling to keep up with it. You know, when you don't use it, you lose it. But I'm like, no, I'm going to try really hard. So I try to write blogs. I try to talk to people or write, you know, keep up on social media with my old friends. Uh, I watch a lot of anime. I probably don't do as much as I should, but I'm, I'm still hanging in there. A, a Japanese fighter visited. He's actually renting my, my condo. I own a condo and I rent it out to fighters. Um, and he's staying there and I was pleased, I'm pleased to report that I can still speak to people. <laughs> um, so I'm glad about that. It's, it's amazing. And so you're in college, you're a junior, you're in Japan and you're fighting over there too. Is, is that correct? Correct. <laughs> Talk about that. You had, you had, I don't know how many bouts, but I had a few bouts over there. Was it, was it a right. uh, jujitsu base or was it actually MMA? Uh, I had three MMA bouts and one jujitsu tournament where, where I broke my arm and that sucked. <laughs> Well, that's not a typical experience. When people talk about college, they talk about, oh, I went to this university, I had these parties, and uh, maybe I played on the football team or something. You literally went halfway around the world, learned a new language, new culture, and decided to get on the mat and fight some people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I heard an interview with you on MMA Junkie where it was brought up about you being an underdog on the money line and that you mentioned something, how you've been an underdog on pretty much every fight. Is that accurate? It was only like twice I was not an underdog. I think one was against Lauren or something at Murphy. And I forget the other one. Like, I think I was in Invicta. Um, but Jeez. 45 <laughs> total fights and only twice they gave you a shot to win it on the books. That's amazing. It kind of it's speaks okay. to your personality. You're, you're just very much the underdog type of person. Yeah, I guess so. Now you're based out of Las Vegas currently. What are you doing now that MMA days are over, at least fighting wise? What are you doing? Are you coaching? And how old are the kids you're coaching? I want a day job. I want a nice desk job. But in the meantime, I am coaching. And I actually got hired to teach grappling at Nomad Krav Maga. There's like one day a week they do grappling, which is way more amazing than I had anticipated. I thought like, oh, just Krav Maga. Like, what are they going to know? But <laughs> I love teaching teenagers. Like, that's the group that I really wanted to teach. But I was always like giving the little kids because I was good at teaching them. But um, I'm really enjoying teaching the teenagers uh, at Nomad Krav Maga. And then my friend Serena De Jesus is the head teacher at Legends MMA, run by Marvin the Beastman Eastman. And awesome. um, I've been helping her because she has a fight coming up. So I, I'm teaching her Tuesday class. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of teaching here and there, but I haven't settled on like a final schedule. I think it goes without saying, you would probably be an excellent instructor in any type of martial arts for those younger students, teenagers, male and female, your demeanor, again, your bedside manner or maybe a young girl or boy who's being bullied, you know, you have that feather in your cap, you know, maybe martial arts is a way for them to sort of you know, gain some confidence in themselves. That's exactly what I hope. Yeah. Okay. So weight cuts. What was it like for you when you would lose a match against someone who missed weight? Was it no big deal or did it bother you? It was horrible for me. Like, terrible because I don't want to make excuses for my losses. You know, I want to pinpoint the techniques that I did wrong and I want to go out there and fix the techniques. Like I always try to focus on techniques, you know, cause I'm not like a physical specimen and athlete, but then if they miss weight, it's like, well, I don't know if that contributed to it. So there's this doubt in my mind, like would I have won if they didn't miss weight? Like there was, everyone's usually stronger than me anyway. So then when they miss weight and they're he even more heavy illegally than me, if that makes sense, it's like, well, what am I supposed to think? Like, 
it's it just feels unfair like that's why there are weight classes that's why there are rules you know like if I go to the gym and I fight like a 170 pound dude you know I'm gonna like give myself a break if I don't win the round but (laughs) in the fighting it's supposed to be equal so it's it's terrible it seems to be a double-edged sword because on one side you, you don't really want to turn on the fight you've trained for it you know your reputation's on the line the promotion wants you to be active a flip side if the person beats you there's a little bit of cost in their money, but they could move forward. They move up the rankings. Well, plus I thought, like, I was telling myself, like, man, I, I did an open weight tournament in Japan twice. So how can I bellyache about, you know, I've beaten heavier people than me. So I, that's no excuse for me, you know, like, when I think that, I was like, ah, oh, I can't use that as an excuse even because I fought heavier people. So it's just hard mentally, like, it screws me up. <laughs> Do you think weight cutting is different for female fighters than it is for men? Obviously, you're talking from a female perspective, but is it significantly different? If it is, how is it different? Yes, um, I know it's different. I know that females have a harder time losing water weight um, because <laughs> my, my boyfriend, but my boyfriend, he likes to say boobs and butt because it's harder to- That's a pretty direct way of saying it, okay. <laughs> and muscle, it's easier to take water out of muscle, apparently. And I didn't fully comprehend this until I helped my boyfriend cut weight. And he like jumped in and out of the tub in 10 minutes and lost five pounds. And I was like, what just happened? Like, how did that, how did you do that? Like, that's so unfair. Like all his muscle, cause he just lost the water so fast. Guys sweat faster. Like, <laughs> Now your durability over the last 11 years of your career, 11 years, I think 2011 is the last time somebody stopped you or finished you at MMA. How, how have you maintained such a high level of durability? I believe only five times in 53 total matches where you finished between grappling and MMA. Where does this come from? Only the floor can knock me out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm proud of myself, though. Like, I can swing and get hit, and I've never gotten knocked out. You know, I've gotten slammed twice, knocked out twice by the floor. Um, So I can at least say that about myself. But my my head's just durable, I guess. But I want to keep it that way. I mean, I'm happy that even after my 50th fight, I still could take hard knocks and keep going. How has MMA changed since 2003, when you first got into the business? The biggest change is that it turned from uh, like a martial art or a hobby or a brawl into an actual athletic sport and an organization. Um, and like I, I went from working full time and then training once a day for two hours to like having to do sessions, one for grappling, one for kickboxing, one for strength conditioning. And I didn't quite see it because it was on my phone. But yesterday, I feel like when I was watching Raquel Pennington get her hands wrapped, was there like, because um, usually we take two chairs and we turn them back to back. And then one fighter sits in one chair and the coach sits in the other chair. But I could have sworn that I saw some kind of like table, like stand for her hands. I'm not sure though. but Interesting. Because that would be an evolution. Like that means somebody invented some kind of like prop for somebody's hands when they stick them out to be wrapped that's yeah. mma you know that's like we don't we just turn the two chairs back to back and i put them on the chair back but that would i be know cool. exactly what you're talking about yes a I little bit of a cre- I, it's like a creature comfort now yeah and then like what now like for my last fight in ufc like we get taken to the locker rooms and then there's mats down and sometimes there's mats on the wall like for the apex the ufc built like wall mats um, before, like, if we wanted to do wall wrestling, we'd have to, like, stand up a floor mat on the wall and then, like, whack into it or break a hole in the wall. And it's just, like, people are understanding what fighters need, and it's turned into, like, an all-inclusive, like, sport. MMA coaching in general is male-dominated. 
Do you see now more inclusion of female coaches? We see it in the NBA. We've seen it in Major League Baseball, even the NFL. Do you see a shift or a more inclusion of female coaches and obviously not just assistants, but maybe head coaches that could be females? <laughs> Probably. Do you, have you seen them? Because I don't think I've really seen any female head coaches. I know there are female black belt jujitsu instructors who lead jujitsu classes. I've heard like a couple of people coaching, but I don't really know. I don't think so. Like, and a lot of people asked me if I wanted to coach MMA and I thought no dude's going to want to listen to a girl. Like I didn't even consider that because I just figured, you know, it's not going to happen. So I don't know. That might still be one of those things where a guy is the primary, like do this, like, or, you know, (laughs) I don't even mind. Like I, I'm cool with a guy coach, but. And so most of your coaches have been men, of course, throughout your career. A hundred percent of them have been men. Now, you mentioned coaching uh, younger athletes. You've done some cornering. Do you see yourself functioning as a mentor to younger fighters who are coming up? Maybe even not just cornering, but doing some helping with training, doing some coaching, if it's just maybe the ground game. But do you want to get more involved with that? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of want to stick to my friends who might need my help, like Serena De Jesus, Jesslyn Michelle. She just fought in the PFL. I cornered her. She won. Yay. Um, I have a friend, Erica, who's just up and coming, but... She hits really hard. <laughs> so like, I'm trying not to take blows to my head. So I might be more inclined to do grappling stuff with them. Um, also, depending on my day job, like I still feel like I'm kind of like floating between jobs right now. So I don't know what I'll be able to do. But I would like to be a mentor to kids for sure. And then, you know, maybe just my friends who I know who need my help. I had two questions posted on our Twitter handle that people wanted me to ask you. The first one is, what is your favorite Dragon Ball Z character and why? Gosh, that's changed. Okay, that has changed over the years. At first, it was Piccolo for the longest time for the uh, Vegeta saga and for the Namek saga. It was Piccolo. And then it was like kind of Goku. And then it turned to Vegeta, like especially after he fought Frieza. And I was like, wow, he's a real warrior. So for a while, it was like alternating between Vegeta and Goku. Vegeta is my boyfriend's favorite character. So I kind of like talk about, I kind of feel like he's my favorite now. he also has no qualms about doing what needs to be done, like smashing somebody and Goku spares people. And in Dragon Ball Super, Goku's been such an annoying, like, so annoying. Like, oh, let's just rile up everybody so I can fight the strong guy. Like, no, don't fight him. He's like the god. Like, this is stupid. So Vegeta, I think, at, by the end of uh, Super is my favorite. <laughs> A lot of fans wanted to know about this. Is that a, like an outlet for you and your boyfriend, some way to like disconnect from the day-to-day or reality? That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I used to play video games, but then I was just so exhausted after training. I didn't even want to use the mental energy. So I just like lay there and like watch zone out and watch anime. So yeah. And then I go to sleep with it. Like at night, you know, at like nine 30 or 10, I get drowsy from it. So it's pretty much like my relaxation thing. Very cool. My last question for you, how do you want fans to remember you? What do you think your legacy is? I want fans to remember me as a martial artist who never gave up and who didn't have any innate talent and just worked really hard for everything. And I failed a lot, but I also succeeded a lot and had an amazing time. Well, I could tell you that watching your last few fights, the fans, social media, the fans, they really loved you. They saw some of themselves in you, the underdog. And you somehow translated that message through your interviews, just the way you carried yourself, even the fighters that you went against. It was so obvious that people respected you to the very end. And that last fight split decision, even the judges, you know, may, maybe a fight that you, it was maybe two rounds to, to one, 
the respect that you have been able to garner over your career is something that I know you're proud of, but I want to tell you specifically here from MA Fight Club, it's real. You know, people really respect you and you're going to be a legend for many years to come and someone that people should go back to and talk about the early days of MA, but you're clearly a legend. People should build statues of you. Uh, you know, oh. that, that's how we see you. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave you with a last word to say anything you want to say to any sponsors or any supporters. Um, just thanks to Team Syndicate. I am graduating class 2022. <laughs> um, I have books coming out. Well, I have two books already on my website, RoxanneModafferi.net or on Amazon if you want to search for me. Also, I'm almost done writing my third memoirs book, so stay tuned and check it out when it comes out. Uh, if you want them signed, go to roxannemodafferi.net, and it's in my store. And if you want Kindle, it's uh, just search for the Memoirs of a Happy Warrior on Amazon. And I'm also on Cameo, so if you want any birthday shout outs or whatever, I can do that. Thank you so much for your time today. Again, you are a legend. We appreciate you greatly, and we'll stay in touch, okay, Roxanne? Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for the time, Roxanne. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I need to know what some of those figures on the wall are. I can't. Okay, place. yeah, we're going to get to that too because I heard you're a Dragon Ball Z fan or whatnot. So we've got Daniel Cormier over there. We've got John Jones. We've Ooh. got, we've got uh, Conor McGregor right here. <laughs> oh, cool. Are they bobbleheads? No, these are just strictly the Pop Funko characters. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then so we've got... Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali side by side right there. You can't really see them because of the arm, but. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> how cool. You're a collector. Very good. A little bit. I try to stick to the fighters here. We got, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez. We got The Rock up here, Stone Cold, and kind of goes with the, the podcast, right? <laughs> it's, it's time for me to pass the torch to the next generation. And I'm proud of myself. And even if you don't win every time, you can still have an amazing time. And this is an amazing life journey. And this is the second time you interviewed me after a huge fight. That was a loss, but thank you so much. And thank you to all my fans. Um, you guys encouraged me so much. Thank you for the love. Shout out to my head coach, John Wood. He, kept, he helped me revamp my career when I was on a huge losing streak. So thank you, John, all my teammates at Syndicate. And all of you guys who've come before me, my predecessors. Thank you for paving the way. You have truly been an inspiration to so many young women around the world and men. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time for the happy warrior, Roxanne Modafferi. <laughs>